From Relay FM, it's Inquisitive, episode 23. I'm Mike Hurley. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash inquisitive and campaign monitor, helping you send beautiful emails and get better results. Today on the show, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Mr. Rene Ricci. Hi, Rene. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I am very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Rene, what do you like to be known for? Uh, you, you know, I was prepared for this, and then it hits you, and there's just no way you can properly prepare for this. Uh, I, I don't know. I want to be known for helping to enable great stuff on the internet. How's that? That works perfectly. So what kind of great stuff do you do? What is the great stuff that you do enable? Well, I mean, I try to you know, get people on podcasts and get people writing on websites and get, you know, help expose people writing on Twitter and that kind of stuff. And then I get really happy because I get more stuff that I want. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how these things perpetuate, right? Well, if, some, if no one else is doing it, you kind of feel an obligation to do it yourself. And that's an awful lot of work. So if you can encourage other people, then they'll, you know, they're doing some of the stuff that you want to read to or listen to. So I think many people will know you for your great work at IMOR and, and the stuff that you do in Mobile Nations at like the podcast as well. Um, so I kind of want to talk about I want to talk about IMOR. So you guys have had a huge year. 2014 was huge. Um, so what, what's happening at IMOR right now? What were some of the landmark things that really stood out for 2014 for you guys? It's. I kind of want to say that we, we rode a little bit on Apple's coattails because they. this was the year that you know, prior to this – two years ago, it was the year that Apple was doomed. It was the haunted empire. It was fire Tim Cook. It was all these things. They lost their innovation. There's no new product categories, yada, yada, yada. It was all complete and total BS, but it was the popular narrative, especially in a lot of the mainstream media and the, and the tech pundit space. Uh, but this year, yeah, the first half was really slow. There was no Apple events at all until WWDC. But then after that, when you had iOS 8 and Yosemite and just the whole you know big developer warm hot chocolate hug of that event, then going into the big and bigger iPhones, the Apple Watch, the Retina, Mac, it was iMac. It it just got the excitement level was huge, and we were lucky enough to you know be there writing about it. And I think that's what helped us have a really good year. So, what do you think? Like, what's been some of your favorite moments? Like, well, some of the things that have happened for you guys. I mean, you've had uh, you've had new hires. You've you've kind of been to more events and stuff like that. Yeah, I got invited to my first Apple event, which was WWDC. And then in quick succession, I got invited to the iPhone event and the um, iPad Mac event, which was great because I, I gotten used to covering them from afar. And I think we did a pretty good job of covering them, whether we were there or not. But there's just something about being there and getting to talk to the people there and getting to look at the products and, and try them out that just helps you have a more informed opinion and just better coverage. So like being able to do that was a huge thrill for me. It just meant that we could... I think do a lot better stuff around the events than we ever than we ever could before. So I want to talk about the Apple events um, in a little more detail with you uh, in a moment. But one thing that I'm kind of interested in because I kind of can't, I, I struggle to place like where Iamore sits in the community. Like, <laughs> w- like what what type of, and this 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 sounds bad, but I don't mean it to, like, what kind of site iMore is, like, because there are, there are, there are sort of tech news sites and, and, like, I don't know, like, Gizmodo, The Verge, and Gadget, and then there are, like, blogs, like, Daring Fireball and Six Colors, right, which are more independent pieces. Like, where do you feel that, that iMore sits? Like, are you more akin to one or the other? 
That's a super interesting question because something we ask ourselves all the time. And the thing is that we're sort of a different creature. And it, um, for people who aren't familiar with this, Mobile Nation started a long, long time ago with one site called Visor Central when Handspring launched the Visor. And it was because my boss, Marcus Adelson, had a Visor and no one was writing about it on the internet. So he figured he'd start doing it. And he was really keen on things. Like he would cover CES back then with real media, trying to stream events and things. Uh, he's a developer. He still develops. He still writes stuff. He writes code for Mobile Nations every day. Um, but you know that was that was sort of his thing. And then that transformed into Trio Central. And then we added CrackBerry and uh, WM Experts, which is now Windows Central and Android Central. And they added uh, in 2007, after the iPhone was introduced, they, asked an I they added an iPhone site. And back then it was called Phone Different. But it, it's very different than like you've been to the same sort of events I have. Like you've been to WWDC. And the thing about it is there's very different communities. In some ways, I'm happy. In some ways, I'm really sad about that. But, you know, there's the people who are traditional Apple and Mac users. And you can qualify them by they were there since System X or they were there since OS X, you know, however long it took them to get into the Apple train. And some were there since the Mac, some since the Apple II, some since OS X, some liked uh, Next before they liked Apple and came in that way. But that's, those, those are several distinct communities in there. But then there's also the general tech media, the people like The Verges and Engadgets and people who people like Harry McCracken or people who write about technology in general, and they cover Apple as part of that. And then there's people who cover mobile. For example, our network was covering mobile before it covered Apple. And I know everybody in the mobile space and everybody in the Apple space, and there's gaming spaces and stuff too. And most of them don't know each other. So it's a really weird feeling when I'm at WWDC and I'm walking down and I see someone maybe from Phone Scoop, and then I see someone maybe from Mac Rumors, and then I see someone from uh, Joystick, and then I see someone from uh, The Verge, and none of them know each other. Like I know all of them because I've seen them at different events, but they seem totally unaware that the other groups exist. And that to me is both the, the, the craziest thing and the weirdest thing about these shows. So when you look at kind of the work that you guys do, is it is it possible for you to kind of say like do you, do you aim to be more like one or the other or do you just kind of just see where the chips fall? Oh, I, I'm super lucky in that when when I was hired, I was told like I've never once been asked about things like page views or or, or to do my job in a certain way. It was I wasn't really given carte blanche. It was just that, you know that nobody like everyone just wanted to do a really good job. Their one goal is to make a really good site that people are going to enjoy using, and that's a lot of responsibility, but it's a lot of luxury. And I'm not a traditional journalist. Like I, my job is not to report about Apple. My job is to be the person who sort of champions Apple at Mobile Nations because we have an Android site. And we have a BlackBerry site and we have a Windows site. And I I want everyone to be on iMore. That's the best thing in the world for me. And so I need them all using Apple technologies. So if I can get, if I can convince everyone reading Android Central that they'd have a way better experience using Apple technology, they're going to come over to iMore. So it's 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 a quasi-evangelism job. It's a quasi-press job. It, it's sort of the job itself, like iMore, intersects a lot of different areas. What do you think sets you guys apart from from other people in the space? Like, like are you given control? Like, I mean, you know, you said you, you're you're never asked to do certain things, but you're give, are you given control by mobile nations to kind of make iMore the best it can be and to set you guys apart from from all of your competition? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a tremendous amount. Uh, I, I if I turned down this, if I just turned off the site one day, they'd be angry. 
You know, like, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. No one wants you to do that. <laughs> yeah, they, or if I just started blogging, like, like I, I don't know. They, there's things that I could do that I, I have the ability to do that would just make them incredibly upset with me and probably would shorten my tenure there. But within the within reason, I'm I'm really like we're really lucky. And um, you mentioned new hires. We brought on Serenity Caldwell this year from MacWorld. Super, super smart, super educated, super informed. A lot of talent in this area. And they're letting us try a whole bunch of really cool new stuff, and they're being really supportive about it. Um, and that, uh, again, to me, is just really, really lucky. We can, we're trying to navigate the space where we have some people who want sort of Apple community stuff, but some people, they just want to know what next phone to buy. And some people already have a phone, they just want to know how to get more out of it. And we have to, all these various diverse audiences that we try to satisfy. So as you look into 2015, um, how and where do you see iMore growing? Like, what have, what have you got your sights on? So, I mean, we haven't announced a lot of stuff yet, and I'm always hesitant to announce things because until they're real. Not because I believe in secrecy, but I believe that things go horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> and I, I'd rather not say we're going to do X, Y, and Z because if they don't happen, then I'm going to feel really bad and stupid. Um, our goals so far, like, to give you, to use last year as an example, um, last year I just wanted to be able to provide real, like, for people who are interested in an iPhone or interested in an iPad, uh, and last year our big thing was we added Mac coverage. We'd hired, um, we'd brought on Peter Peter uh, Cohen, um, who'd worked at MacWorld previously and worked at uh, Loop, uh, the Loop.com previously, because we really wanted to do Mac coverage. Just Apple's ecosystem was becoming more integrated. Um, there were things like handoff, sort of like continuity and extensibility on the horizon. And it was easy to see that we had to do better at the Mac story. And again, our background was in mobile devices. It was in phones. And then, you know, after a while into tablets. And we'd never really done as a network computer coverage before, but we thought it was really important. So we brought him on. And last year, we spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, there's already a ton of great Mac sites. What can we do that's interesting for us? What can we do that, you know, fits within our strengths, complements what other people do? Because one of the things that's really important to me is I don't think that we have competition. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean that in a way that everyone does something slightly differently. Like I, I can read 9to5Mac or Mac Rumors or Macworld or Daring Fireball or, or the, the Loop and find them super interesting. Whereas if they were competitors, I would be, oh, Oh, they did that before we did it, or why did they think of that and we didn't? And that's a much more boring, it's a boring universe to me. So I like the fact, um, like we don't go out of our way to be different, but I think we all have different voices. And if we can just be true to our voice, then it sort of makes uh, an ecosystem of really interesting Apple sites rather than a hyper competitive or aggressive community of everyone trying to have the exact same homepage, just that one article written first. Now, I want to take a, a quick break um, to thank our first sponsor for this week's episode, but then I want to talk to you about about attending the Apple events that you've attended this year and, and what that And I totally didn't answer like. your question yet. <laughs> I know. We can, maybe I'll let you mull on it for a moment. We All can right. come back on it. This week's episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by Linda. Lender.com is used by millions of people around the world, and they have over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business. They are all about helping you learn something new. All of Lender's courses are taught by experts, and they're adding new courses to the site every single week. All of these courses look fantastic. They're taught by people in great environments with all of the knowledge that you need. Knowledge that you need to maybe set new financial goals. Maybe you want to invest in a new hobby or improve some current skills that you have in your 
workplace. With lynda.com, you'll get unlimited access to every single course that they have, and you'll be able to view these on your laptop, your, your tablet, your mobile device. And with their apps for iOS and Android, you'll never miss a thing. Some courses that I've seen uh, on lynda.com that I think you might be re- pretty interested in. Uh, maybe you're listening to the show and you want to maybe do a podcast of your own, but they've got getting started in audio and music production. So the audio stuff, they, they teach you logic, they teach you GarageBand, they have podcast courses as well. So maybe you just want to create music on your Mac where you can do that. Or maybe you want it on your PC as well, if, if that's if that's your bag. They've lynda.com has courses for all of that. Maybe you want to learn a bit about design. They have courses by, by Adobe, so put taught by people that actually work at Adobe on Illustrator and Photoshop. And they have stuff that can teach you how to draw. So they have like light and shadow techniques as well. If maybe you just want to get down into the nuts and bolts of doing some, some nice illustration or something like that. Do something awesome for yourself this year and sign up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash inquisitive. Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new. Thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting this show and Relay FM. They're so great. They're like the mate, the closest thing to the matrix plugging in knowledge that we have in this universe. First time I heard you say that, I was kind of annoyed at you that you uh, thought something so awesome. Like I was, I think I was listening to to Vector, and you'd said about the matrix thing. I was like, ah, oh, that's genius. I wish I would have thought of that. No, everyone listening to this show, they should do it. They should just go get Linda and plug it in and learn awesome things because that's what they're all about. Yeah. So did you have something more that that you would have liked to have said? Yeah, so uh, about this year, one of the things that actually we started doing already, so I'm, I, I can say that we're doing it without failing to actually do it, is we're trying to be a lot more community-based now. Uh, we want to sort of, like I've always personally tried to promote as many things as I could in the Apple community, like anytime a new show starts or a new blog launches, I try to do a little, at least my part in helping me make sure everyone knows about it. And we wanted to do more of that on iMore. And again, I have like super, a super great network and they're not, they don't see that stuff as competitive either. They just see it as if, if it's generally better for the community, then at some point it'll end up being better for us as well. So one of the things we're doing now is we're linking out a lot more, not just to news stories, but to opinion pieces, to to cool and interesting ways that people are using their technology. And we're trying to solicit a lot more input from people as well, uh, you know, why they do the things they do and how they do them. Because again, if I think that kind of stuff ultimately benefits everybody. It just increases the overall interest level for all of us. Most definitely. So... We spoke about it a little bit. One of, one of the big things that happened to you guys this year uh, was getting invited to press events at Apple. Yes. Um, one thing that I'm really interested in is when that email came through, uh, what did you do? So I, I would always... I've always spoken to Apple PR and every time there is an event, I always write them and say, hey, you know, do you have room for us? Would you like to do the best job we can in covering this? And almost always I get a very polite phone call saying, hey, we'd love to have you, but we have limited space and we just can't fit everybody in. I hope you understand. And yeah, you know, I've I've got fine European parenting up to so I'm very polite about it thank you that's great hopefully next time yay um, and this year I did the same thing and they're like sure we have room come on down and I might have done a Snoopy dance I can't deny having done a Snoopy dance um, but it's one of those things where it takes a while to sink in because like you're just looking at the email and going wait a minute this is not the usual one that I get uh, and then I was just super happy and then I started going oh my god I've got to cover this live and I haven't done that much live blogging so I got to really practice my skills. And then I called all my live bloggy friends and asked them to share their workflows with me. <laughs> yeah, because how would you have uh, done the, the... Did you do live blogging at all before? Like, would you do any sort of live coverage when you were, when you were following along at home? 
Well, yeah, but it's really different. I have done it before. Like for example, when I've had to help out, I would I did the Samsung Galaxy S four three and four events. I think I've done Sony press conferences, uh, so I've done them to help out other sites before. But you know, and that was me just doing whatever they told me to do. You know, I'd be sitting next to Phil Nickinson or something. Go take pictures. I take pictures. Uh, you know, cub reporting. And this was I had to run everything and take care of the live blog, and because we only got one invitation, I had to take photos and try as best as I could to write pertinent things and um, do all that as well. So then, you know, the panic hits in, and you're like, "Oh, I just managed to talk my way into a colossal public failure. It's going to be great." Um, but then, you know, it actually happens, and the adrenaline kicks in, and the fugue state starts, and you don't even realize what's happening uh, until it's over, and then you just hope that you did a good job. Do you think that you would want to continue doing the live blogging? Because I, I can imagine you don't really get the opportunity to actually enjoy the event when you're there. I, I have never enjoyed an Apple event when covering it, whether it was streaming it or trying to pay attention to live blogs before Apple streamed it or doing it myself. It's it's really your brain goes into a totally different mode and you're looking at every word and you're breaking it down and you're analyzing it and you're parsing it. And it's it's not the same as just watching it to watch it. So almost all the time after the event, uh, late at night, I have to, you know, assuming Apple's got it up and they almost always do, I end up watching it again and then actually seeing what it looks like as an event. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I, I don't remember that happening at all. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, almost all the time I end up near uh, John Gruber and Jason Snell. And well, Jason's going to be different this time. But Gruber's always, he's like, you know, Gruber or Dalrymple, they're sitting there. And because of the way Daring Fireball works and the loop works, they're just taking a few notes, putting out a few tweets, smiling, enjoying the show. And then there's like 100 people around them smashing their MacBooks as fast as they possibly can. Yeah. And uh, Jason is going to be doing that next time too. So I'll be covetous of him as well. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what he, I wonder what he'd be doing. I'll have to. I'll have to, I'll have to ask him. Maybe uh, be a live blogger. I mean, he can do like nine hundred words a second. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a he's a speedy typer. Is that guy amazing? What was it like? Because I mean, you've been to events before, right? I'm sure you've been to WWDC. Yep. And and how how did it differ going as press? How did it feel? Uh, it's hard for me to say because it was WWC especially was my first time and even the other two events one was at the Flint Center which is different than almost all Apple events and the other one was at campus and I'd never done either any of those things before like I'd been to campus I'd been to WWDC but not as press um, so it was all just totally new to me and the procedures and I'm I don't know I'd have to ask someone like Jason or John or Jim if the procedures are the same every time because maybe they're not but it was just so many please let me walk in the right direction and get to the right place and I remember the funniest thing for me is I when I got invited to WWDC I didn't believe it I thought you know maybe it was an error and then I got there and I gave them my name and they said I wasn't on the list and I'm like I knew it <laughs> I knew it. I'm being gaslighted. And then they said, oh, sorry. And they looked at a second list and they're like, oh, your name's on this list. And I'm like, okay, I'm in the overflow sitting. That's fine. It wasn't really overflow sitting, but it was, it was an overflow list, I guess. Um, but I had that moment of, of heart palpitation because uh, at that point I didn't even buy a ticket because I thought I, you know, I couldn't, I tried to buy a ticket, but I hadn't been able to. And I, I was just going to, you know, walk across the street and try and catch it on, on stream. So, how did you feel the WWDC event differed from the Apple Watch event? Like, was there a different feeling there? 
Yeah, well, the feeling was similar, but in a very different way. The uh, the WWDC felt like the software guys were just like, we got this. Like, relax, you guys aren't going to believe what we're going to show you. And they'd, they'd been walking around, like the engineers and everyone had been walking around these big smiles on their faces for a couple of days before that. So you just knew that they had this handled. Uh, and people can gripe about iOS 8 or Yosemite, but in terms of the functional improvements to iOS, uh, it was massive. Um, extensibility changed literally everything about how our phones are going to work in the future. And they they knew that and they'd managed to do it. And so, uh, and Swift, uh, like I remember um, Syracuse was sitting behind me and he kept turning to Jason going, am I really watching this? Is this real? Am I in a dissociative state? Did you hear the same thing I heard? <laughs> uh, and it was, it was just one thing after another like that. And so the, the feeling was really like they had, they knew that they'd achieved something great and they were sharing it with us. And the watch event was similar in that that's how Tim Cook came off. Uh, like you could see that, like, from his face that he knew that he'd nailed the watch. Like whether when it actually ships, everyone will be able to make up their own mind. But in terms of him being able to deliver that product at that event, he'd gotten to where he wanted to got to get to. And I remember someone uh, in the demo area asked him if he was relieved that the event was over, and he said, "No, I don't feel relieved. I feel victorious because he he felt that he'd really nailed it." And watching that event live, it was hard you know hard to think otherwise. It was sort of Tim Cook's dream of Apple coming to fruition. Um, so it, one was software products, one was hardware products, one was sort of Craig Federici's org, one was Tim Cook's sort of project, but the feeling was very much the same. Did you feel when you were sitting there like, yeah, okay, this is a this is a monumental one? Like, like you, you when you were there, you were kind of like, yeah, I was lucky to be here. I was thinking, oh God, AT&T is not working, Verizon is not working, I'm not going to be able to get on the internet. I was watching the macro people having the same problem sprinting down to a different seat. I was just going, I finally got to an event like this and I'm going to basically be sealed off from the internet for the whole thing. There is a weird thing, like I feel like I've gotten this this impression when I've spoken to other people that do this. It's like when you're outside of it looking in, it's like, oh, it must be so amazing. But when you're inside there, it's just like a pressure cooker. Yes, it is so stressful. <laughs> What was it like to see the demo area, though? Because I imagine that that's a more... Is is that more calm because you're not kind of rushing to get the information out? Or are you then? I, I don't know. What's, what's it like in the demo area? So, I, again, I'm a total noob to these things. So, for example, I went out the wrong door. Well, first, I, I got up and started walking out, and I almost hit a camera. And you can actually see me at the event walking straight at a camera, and then it goes to black. But I, I had to swerve out of the way of a cameraman that I barely saw. And then I was sort of disoriented. I... um. You walk I out into the, the street. <laughs> no, I went out the wrong way though. And then by the time I got to the demo area, there was, it was like a long line to get in there. So while everyone else was busy getting their photos and videos and posting stuff, I was just sitting there waiting in a line, you know. Uh, and then I finally got in there, and I took as much time. And I saw people were posting live from it. And I don't know any of these little tricks yet because I don't go to a lot of these events, and especially don't go to Apple events. And I didn't know what we'd be allowed to do and not to do. So in the end, I just focused on getting a lot of good photos of the stuff and talking. Um, to uh, as many of the marketing people as I could because I wanted to learn as much as I could about things like Apple Pay and, and the watch and how authentication worked and all the different technologies. And they were surprisingly like open about that kind of stuff as long as you asked them 
non, you know, not like there's current questions you can ask. As long them, as you're not you, trying to trick them out, I guess, right? No, yeah, or ask them things that you know they're not going to be able to answer. But if you're like, well, how do I authenticate? The guys, oh, well, you got skin contact. As long as it's in skin contact, it'll authenticate you. Take it off, you got to pin back in. Like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and so I spent in, literally until they closed down the place and said I had to leave, taking photos and videos and talking to people. And then I totally blew it because I, a bunch of other people, as I walked out, were busy uploading stuff. And because I didn't have a working internet connection, I had to get back to the hotel. And it took me hours to get our stuff up. And I wish we'd been able to do it faster, not in that I wanted to be first to get it up, but I wanted to be able to, like people who were waiting on me to get it, who were on IMR watching it and wanted to see it, I felt like I sort of let them down because I was just, I didn't, I didn't know properly how to handle an event like that. First time for everything, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was it was weird too because the campus event for the iPad and the and the Mac, I was super nervous again. But then because it's it's, it's at Apple, there was Wi Fi, super fast Wi Fi everywhere. They left the cafe area open so we could just sit down there and take our time and write stuff out and post stuff. And I, I had been prepared to, for the worst, and then I was just sort of like, I, this is all working. I don't know what to do now. Well, I think kind of the problem is you kind of had a, a baptism of fire. You, you your first two events were like the biggest audiences you can get. Yeah, right. And I guess maybe maybe uh, subsequent ones other than WWDC, it might be a bit better. Or, or I guess the next one will probably be another Apple Watch one, right? Where they'll invite every single person in the fashion press as well maybe. as you guys. <laughs> you never know. And I don't know if I'll get invited to another one. I mean, like, it's nice to, to, yeah. to think that you might, but you, you know, everything's always changing. And they do, for things like campus events, they really do have very limited capacity. Would it hurt more to not get invited now you've been invited? Like, is it like you've had the, the taste and you're like, oh, I want to keep doing these things? Or, or no? How do you feel about that? Uh, so I didn't get invited right away for the iPad Mac event. I got invited, I guess, like in the second round of invitations. So I've gotten used to already assuming that I wouldn't be going to every right. event. And I don't know if that'll happen the next time. So I've kind of mentally set up this thing where uh, it's it, you know it's super great to get the invitation, but I'm just going to do the best job I can regardless. What like obviously this has changed. Um, what do you think changed for for you guys to to all of a sudden? start getting invited um i don't know if it's a change so much like one of the things and john gruber said this and i think it really resonates is that a lot of apple these days they just say what they mean like whether it's you know they're super happy with the way their products work or they want to make apple pay because it's the simplest way for most people to pay for things and i think when they when they go up there and they say that they just wanted to enhance uh, I forget the word they used. It wasn't communication, but it was, you know, everyone working together better. I, I think that's really true. And they just, they enabled people who maybe pay attention to newer sites or more sites or uh, the greater community around Apple to be more involved in decision making if they invited. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah, because it's, it's, all you can do is speculate, right? And that yeah. seems like logical kind of reasoning to it, I guess. But again, like, and they they have to serve so many masters at these events. Like, it sounds uh, so. One of the things is Apple Press gets uh, they get treated funnily in the media. You know, and the people write articles about them, and they try to portray them as being hard to deal with. And I have worked in this industry for a long time. I've dealt with Google Press and Microsoft Press and BlackBerry Press and SAP and HP and Apple PR uh, today and five years ago. You know, under Steve Jobs and Katie Cotton, and now under uh, Tim Cook, they they have always been amongst the best to deal with. They're just they they don't always say yes to you. And if your if your idea of being easy to work with is them always saying yes to you or giving you what you want, uh, then I think that's a faulty assumption. But in terms of uh, just being professional and being polite and uh, and you know 
dealing with you as a human being, they've always been fantastic. I'm not going to mention any names, but I've dealt with PR companies for PR people for big companies who've been incredibly hostile, who've been threatening, who've like literally given you graph paper to write single letters in to send in your requests. And it's it's insane um, some of these PR organizations and, and how they work. Um, so Apple PR, I've, I've never had any problem. I've always thought that at least they'll give you the benefit of a yes or no answer. Or you know, sometimes they won't answer you at all, but that's that's the that's same no. thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's like PR answers all your requests, even if sometimes it's not an answer. And that at least is easy for me to deal with. It's harder to deal with when there's hostility or or duplicity or or things like that. So um, again, I don't, I don't know how much has just changed, or it's how much they can they can do now um but in terms of serving their own masters like at the watch event they invited watch media they invited fashion media they invited apple media and from their point of view their job is to serve apple their job is not to serve anyone who just thinks that they're you know interested in the apple community so they if they have 200 seats to fill they've got to have the people in there that they think is going to help them get their message out and ultimately sell more devices. So is that a site like iMore where it's it's serving particularly a community that they might already think that they have a good engagement with? Or is it someone like a tech site where they think that they can convert some of the people who are using other products? Or is it a mainstream publication like the Wall Street Journal or um, or CNN or Fox News, or like maybe this demographic, not as many people use iPhones as this one, and this news outlet is much better at that demographic. So I'm sure at the end of the day, it's mostly in term, it's it's mostly figured out in terms of this is the message we want to deliver. Which outlets will help us deliver that? Now I want to switch gears again um, and and go back to talking about iMore a little bit more. Um, how do you guys decide the types of things that you want to cover? Like. Because, you know, there's not always news every day and, and news isn't always the way to go. And you have like lots of different types of pieces like reviews and editorials uh, and you have a lot of how-to pieces. Me and Serenity were talking about that a couple of weeks ago yeah. on the show when she was on. How do you make the decision as the I'm More team as to the type of stuff that you want to talk about? That, By the way, that was a terrific show uh, with Serenity on it. That, that, was, was... All, that was all Ren. She's, she's <laughs> yeah, she's awesome on podcast. But you, you're awesome on podcast. Too, oh, Mike. shush. Um, yeah, a proper British shushing. Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so mostly I try to think of it in terms, uh, and so my job prior to I Am More um, was working in product marketing. So I, I basically, you know, jumped the fence. And we've seen a lot of PR people, we've seen a lot of media people jump into PR and vice versa because they are very similar jobs. And your job is basically translation. If you're in product marketing, your job is to take what the, what, what the company is making and communicate it to what the people selling it are doing what people buying it uh, want. Uh, and in press, my job is to take what these companies are doing and translate it into what my reader, like make it translate and understandable. Like I look at my job as mostly being an explainer. I try to take all this complexity and all these different choices and help explain them in what I hope is an easy to understand way so that they can make better informed choices or get more out of uh, whatever devices they're using. And that's sort of how we lay out iMore. We just look at everything that's coming up and we try to figure out a way of making that as accessible as we can to as many people as we can. And sometimes that's how-tos. And in some ways it's ridiculous because, you know, Apple is doing so much in terms of how-to content and help content and things. And it's like, do we, should we really do that on iMore? Because Apple.com is such a big site. But then, you know, not everyone goes to Apple.com. Not everyone goes to iMore. Not everyone goes to the, maybe even the web. So just a little bit more if it even helps a few people, that's absolutely worth it. And if an editorial 
if I like one of the things we're, we've been doing a lot last year and this year too is we got Nick Arnott, um, QA engineer to the stars, to uh, help us write security stuff because I was just looking appalled at how um, Apple was being used in headlines for security, even by sites that I usually respect. It would say like Apple's long history of 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 um, viruses is over or this is how they're hacking into your iPhone and then I'd read the article and find that it's not true or worse I'd follow the link and find out it wasn't true because it wasn't even they didn't even bother putting it in the article so we spent a lot of time this year taking time to actually go through every security thing that comes out and it says I your iPhone can be hijacked and then we go oh yes if you jailbreak it if you go to a a pirate app download site if you download this app if you turn off gatekeeper if you then manually install it on your iPhone but then that's important stuff. Uh, my mom called me the other day because she was watching BBC and she's like, they said they could spy on my iPhone. I'm like, no, they can't do that. <laughs> but the BBC, they're, they're reporting the sensational headline. Yeah. Um, and if we can even help a few people know that you don't like, yes, pay attention to this stuff. This is the important things you need to know about it. But don't let them scare you because it, it's not scary. It's, it, you should be an informed and empowered, not scared by this stuff. How much stuff do you guys plan in advance? Like, because obviously there are times of the year that are quieter than others. Like, do you do you prepare for those with just editorial planning? So, uh, I try. Ideally, I'm I'm sure my boss would prefer that I was more prepared than I am. Like, we we know generally, like, there's Apple's not getting out of their businesses, so there will be an iPhone, a new iPhone in September. There'll be new iPads and Macs. There'll be a watch. All these things are coming. We generally know when. Uh, they're coming. So that kind of stuff you can sort of plan for. And I was saying, because I was in marketing, I sort of understand there's like a life cycle to these things. Like people want to know what to get. They want to know what to do with it once they've got it. They want to know what else they can do with it once they've done the basic stuff. And then they want to know what they're going to get next. And that sort of stuff is easy to prepare for. Um, the, during the year when it's quiet periods, uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds funny to say, but I don't think we've even finished covering uh, iOS 8 and the iPhone 6, 6 Plus, app, iPad Air 2, the Retina Mac. There's so much stuff we just haven't had time to do yet. So we sort of, after the crazy period, we go back and we make sure that everything's as polished as we want it to be. And we look for things. Like we realized the other day that we hadn't actually told people how to use share extensions. Like most people know, but there's a few who don't because we did an article on uh, great sharing extensions and people are like how do I use these I didn't even know these were here and we're like ah we didn't even bother covering that so we went back and did it and you know hopefully next time we'll remember to do more of that stuff but it, it's it just there's it's one company with like a very small line of products uh, but there's still so much to write about one of the things I really like about iMore is kind of one of the things that you were just alluding to like the the mix between helping novice users and like kind of um, an average user, as well as like catering to people like us who know all there is to know and writing really interesting kind of like pieces about where where you think the industry is or and, and like the security stuff as well. Like you guys can get really in depth on stuff, but you also like you you're not afraid of like yeah there are new people and we should be helping them and that's something that we like to do. Yeah, it's funny because we got a little bit of backlash at first. Like people were like, "Any idiot knows this. Why are you bother writing this?" And I was talking to a friend of mine who was doing AT, um, IT for a huge company, and he said, "I get emails with people like, why is there no uh, off button on an iPhone? Why do I have to just put it down and wait for the screen to turn off? Shouldn't there be a button that handles that?" And he was like, "Yes, there is on the top of the phone." That's uh, so interesting. 
And he would get like, uh, and I remember I used to, again, I, I, well, I did tech support when I was much younger, but I would get questions like, why do I need to use a computer to get my email? Or why can't I get my email when my laptop is on? Like, like the like questions that you thought no one would ever ask, people would ask because, you know, they just, they really don't know. Because to us, they literally make no sense. Like it's yes. a nonsensical question. But I mean, like I was doing tech support for my family and I, I was, the reason, um, and I told this story before, and my mom hates when I tell the story, but <laughs> the iPad is the best computer she's ever used. She uses it constantly. I'd given her an iMac. Uh, she was a teacher, and she was she's retired now, but she was a teacher, and she would download PDF files on her Windows machine and get viruses. And she used the Windows machine because all her everyone at school did. And finally, I said, no, no, I'm giving you an iMac. I'm going to set it up for you so you'll be able to use it even with your school friends, which is funny saying to your mom. Um, but uh, <laughs> And she would use it, but then she'd say to me, oh, my internet is gone. And I'd go over there, and it was because uh, so Safari was behind Word and she couldn't see it, so it was gone. Or Word would close and the icon would no longer be in the dock. And she, we just never bothered to say always have it in the dock, so it was just gone. But with the iPad, she sees it, she presses the home button, she presses another icon, she comes back up. And to her, even though it can't do as much as an iMac, it's she can do so much more with it. And I think that um, for people who are just getting into this, and not just, I have moments where I don't know this, like there's things I discover about iOS that are super simple that I'm sure 99% of people already know, but I hadn't, you know, I just never come across them. And I think there's a little bit of that, but I also think that for people like us, if I can just send my mom a link and it has good instructions on how to do something, it saves me having to do that tech support. So even though I don't consider myself a novice user, I have enough of them in my life that, that even writing that stuff for myself so I can share it easily is, has has value to me, I think. Yeah, I, I see um, and I know of a bunch of uh, developer friends that link to iMore articles to help explain things to people. <laughs> nice. You know, like I've seen, I've seen that. I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw it like a couple of days ago where it was like there was a, some sort of something that was happening. It might have been on the Mac or on iOS uh, and they were like, well, we just, we just linked to iMore and then, <laughs> and then that's that. It's like, great, like <laughs> perfect. Why, why write it yourself when you guys have done it for them? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's 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 really what we want to do. That's what we consider our job is just to do all that stuff so that people don't have to. This episode of Inquisitive is also brought to you by our friends over at Campaign Monitor, who make it easy to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns quickly and easily. Campaign wanted to have a great email building tool called Canvas. With Canvas, you can create emails in minutes. It's super easy to use. You can just select from their drag and drop interface tools to take care of how to size and place things in your emails. You can maybe you want to put images in there where they're going to automatically resize and they automatically resize because they use responsive design with everything in Canvas, which is Campaign Monitor's awesome tool set. They have beautiful typography. They have great colors. Basically, you can create emails that look exactly the way you want with canvas and they will look fantastic everywhere you can create emails that look with all of your branding stuff so maybe you've got um like a logo that you want to put in there you know and i mentioned fonts but like you've got fonts that you want to use that match your website you can do all of that like it's so flexible it's so customizable you can make unique emails that that look exactly the way you want they don't look like you see anywhere else these aren't cookie cutter templates this is fantastic stuff and you should go and try it out for yourself campaign monitor have made it uh, so cool that they've even made it possible that you can go and build and export a template without ever starting a campaign monitor account if you 
go to campmedwonitor.com slash templates, you can see that for yourself. You can play around with it right there without ever signing up. But you should sign up because they're awesome. And if you enjoy this show, Campaign Monitor have helped made it possible since the beginning. So go and check them out right now. Go sign up for a free account right now at campaignmonitor.com. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for their continued support of this show. And just before we get back into the show, I want to mention one other quick thing. We have a great new addition to Relay FM. Uh, we have a show called Rocket. Now, Rocket is hosted by Brianna Wu, Christina Warren, and Simone de Rochefort, and it's all about tech comics, movies, games, book, geek culture. They call it, the show is called Rocket, and the, the lady said there is no galaxy off limits with Rocket. Um, I, I got the pleasure of listening to and editing episode one for them, and I'm so happy that we have the show on Relay FM. It's so different to hear them talk about. Just everything comes from a different opinion with the show. Like there's one moment they're talking, I can't remember what it was they were talking about, but they have a quick aside about handbags. It's like, I, <laughs> I don't listen to another tech podcast. It was the pink where, stuff. It was a pink yeah, stuff, Mike. They were talking about pink stuff. And then I think, I think Christina started talking about a pink handbag. And it's she like, a pink I, clutch. Yeah. I was like, I don't have another tech show that I listen to where these are the asides. And I just thought it was fantastic. And I'm so happy that we've been able to give a home for the show on Relay FM. So you should go check it out. It's at relay.fm slash rocket. It was so great because right after that, Brianna turned it back into her weaponized motorcycle. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> that's the great thing about those three. It's like they're they're so different and and really interesting personalities. So and, smart. Yeah, we're, we're we're very very lucky to have them. Um, and you should go and check the show out if you haven't already. Renee, what is um what is Imore's policy on on reporting on rumors? Like, I'm sure you have sources or you have people that contact you with information. Um, Maybe some you can trust, some you can't. And obviously there are other rumors that are around the web for, for stories. How do you feel about this? Uh, so yeah, this is a subject that we debate a lot. And I debate a lot, of, a lot with other writers. Like, you know, I think Jim Donovan and I had an hour-long conversation uh, several months ago about it. And it's really, there, it's, it's, there's no clear lines. It's a very blurry thing. And I've certainly, I used to report on rumors a lot. And it was incredibly stressful for me because, um, you want to get it right because if you get it wrong, you look really, really stupid and you maybe do a disservice or maybe even damage something. Uh, so I would spend a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to make sure that it was right. And we did that with like some Apple events and I think the iPad mini and a, and a bunch of other stuff. And at a certain point, I just looked at it and I said, you know, is that what I want to write about? Because the rumors will always come. And the thing with Apple is uh, more than any company, they're an incredibly logical company and they're an incredibly consistent company. Uh, and the patterns that they've gotten into, yes, they can change at any time. But, you know, I, I watch every year Apple's working on iOS 9. Of course, they're working on iOS 9. They're not going to stop working on iOS. Yes, and a new iPhone is coming. So that, that kind of stuff, it just it became less and less interesting. Um, and I'm also not particularly good at it. Mark Gurman at 9to5Mac, for example, is amazing at that kind of stuff. But it was something I wasn't good at, something that was incredibly stressful for me and something that I also think is intrinsically more oriented towards the news and not the voice. Like if, again, Mark does a fantastic job about it, but if Mac Rumors posts it first, everyone's going to go read it at Mac Rumors. Or if Recode posts it first, everyone's going to go read it at Recode. And it doesn't really matter who's saying it. There's trust levels associated with different people, but all those sites are relatively trustworthy, like John Pachowski, Mark Gurman. There's several people, you know, John Gruber, who people, you just believe most of what they say because they're almost always right. Um, so, And what interested me was more of uh, a direct relationship with my readers, things that we could do that maybe 
wasn't the same as what other sites were doing. Because uh, at the end of the day, Mark and I would get the same rumors, or Porchowski and I would get the same rumors, or Gruber and I would get the same. Yeah. And you either write them or you don't write them, but eventually that story is going to get out. And I started thinking, well, what else is there? And for me, not the what, but the why and the how started to become really interesting. Like, I know there's going to be another iPhone, but what problems is that iPhone going to solve? And some of that can be rumors, like Apple's working on this or that feature, but just looking at it in general, the scope of it, what is the Apple Watch going to do? A lot of people watch the Apple Watch event, using the word watch way too much. There's <laughs> nothing uh, you can do about it. We just need to yeah, embrace it. They watched the event and they looked at it and said, ah, oh, you know, this is not clear. I don't know what the story is going. And I was watching it thinking, you know, Apple's just solved convenience for me. And I wrote about this because I pull my iPhone out every time there's a notification or I want it, like just thousands of times a week, I pull it out, glance at it quickly and put it away. And if the watch means I just twist my wrist for that now and I'm not reaching for my phone in my pocket or across the room or on my desk, that the convenience alone becomes a killer app for me. And is that the reason they did it? Maybe, but it's at least it's it's something that we can have a discussion about and those sorts of things. Like uh, today I was writing about, I see so many people say they want Apple to have a four-inch screen again. They want to go back to the four-inch screen. And that to me makes absolutely no sense because no, no one really cares about the screen size. And I started thinking, it's probably the device size that they care about. You know, an iPhone 5 was small enough. When you say you want to reach it with one hand or use it with one hand, that's kind of irrelevant for the screen size. Uh, you could have a two-inch screen on a phone that size and reach it. It's the size of the phone. So what has Apple been doing? Well, you know, every year they've been making the phones actually thinner. I think some phones by volume have been smaller than the previous generation, even as screens have gotten bigger. Uh, so maybe what they don't want is a four-inch screen. Maybe what they want is as big a screen as possible, but on a device that can still be used one-handed. And If you get rid of the bezels, what size is that screen? So is the debate really about screen size or is it about... Um, Device size, and Apple historically is making screens bigger, but devices smaller. So is the answer a new 4-inch iPhone, or is the answer uh, an iPhone 6 that has way less chrome around the sides of the screen? And you know, maybe the answer is a 4-inch iPhone, but I think that's an interesting thing to talk about. An article like that one, how long does that take you to prepare and write on average? It depends. So if it, sometimes the writing itself is almost always really fast for me, but the process of getting to the point where I can write it can sometimes take a really long time. Yeah. Um, like sometimes I'm doing group projects, like we'll do something where each of us are contributing a section and I'll get yelled at a lot because I haven't written anything, but then I'll sit down and write it in, in half an hour it, it, because the, my writing process is very much pondering things. So that article probably took me an hour to write, but I'd spent you know, days thinking about it and, and just mulling it over before I got to the point where I knew what I wanted to write. Before I let you go today, there's something that I need that I, that we need to settle me and you right here right sure. now. That many people say this about both of us, and and many people I say can't answer this question. Who records more podcasts on a weekly basis, me or you? Oh, you do now because I I stopped a whole bunch of them. Yes, I win. Finally, I win. Although Snell might be catching up on you. I've got my eye on him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I control two of them so as soon as he gets too close one one goes yeah but, I, I, don't, I don't know how you do it because i had to well i didn't have to stop but we took a look at it and we were doing the tv show and review and we thought it made more sense to make that one show and we were doing Zenentech and vector and we thought it made more sense to do that one show and review we were sort of one of the things and i, I don't know how much you want to get into this but one of the things is we started doing ads on the show and when you do ads you're you're much more subject to a regular schedule and mm -hmm. you have much less flexibility and it got to the point where we would have to try and make up shows just to meet ads or we or a guest would drop out and then we'd panic to try to find someone else in order to get a to get that show recorded because we had to add spots, you know, that were supposed to be up at a certain time. And we've taken a lot of shows off the ad networks now as well. Uh, and it's just 
we we can record review whenever we want. So we haven't recorded it in a while, but there's a new one. It's going to go up this weekend. Um, and you know, Vector, we're doing once a week still debug and iterate. We missed a couple episodes because guests dropped out, but it's not as big a deal anymore for us. So it's sort of, and that's sort of what we're going to do on iMore too, is sort of take our time with a lot, a lot of things more. And I think it's, it's just juggling everything. I could do it, but it was getting to a point where it was too stressful to do it that way. So like for me, I mean, you, that, that definitely good points. And well, one thing, like you say, you don't know how to do it. This is all I do. Like you have all the writing to do. I just do the podcasts, right? That's my, that's my job. Um, but for me, like, yeah, it definitely once once you you have a weekly show and then you start taking ads on the weekly show, you start booking out the ads. You have to remain weekly. I mean, and it's not a, it's not too much of a problem because I've always had a weekly show. Like, we don't miss episodes of any show. We we didn't before as we haven't afterwards. And for me, that just comes from like for the same as you guys. Like, you don't have days where you don't post, and it's just yeah. you have planning and and you know like if something's going to fall through, what are my kind of trusted backup plans? Like, I always have backup plans. Like. I I have a guest every week on this show and I have people that pull out. I've had people like pull out on the same day or not show up. But I know that there are people that I can call upon that would we'll, we'll do it at a very short notice and I could have a great show with and I kind of oh, keep that those. Casey List. At Casey List. I have to say, <laughs> Merlin's great for that. Yeah. Um, uh, he's very, very nice for me. Like sometimes I've, I've called on him in the last minute and he's been there and we've had a great show. Um, there, was a, there was a fantastic episode, one of my favorite episodes of, of the previous show that I did, Command Space, which yeah. was with Merlin. And, and he jumped in, um, I think it was episode, let me try and find it, um, it maybe was episode 90 or something like that. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, which you can find at uh, relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 23. Um, oh, no, it's episode 38. Nice. Um, and it was, uh, and basically on that day or the day before, Merlin had posted like his uh, coming back to inbox zero type, type post. <laughs> Uh, and it was just like it was just perfect because then I got to talk to him about that, and we had a really good good chat about how he feels about Inbox Zero. It ended up being one of my favorite episodes, but I had like twenty minutes to prepare for it, where it takes me, you know, a, it takes me not just the actual sitting and writing of what we want to talk about, but the thinking. So like I'm always thinking about like who are the guests and what do I want them to be on for. So I agree, it can it can be a hard it can be a hard thing to especially to have a, a guest-focused show like you guys have with some of your shows like Debug and, and Yeah, Debug Iterate. is really hard to... If someone pulls out at the last minute, it's really hard to debug, to rebook because Guy does a ton of research on, oh, on the guests. Yeah. Oh, you can tell. I mean, yeah. I guess the one thing with Debug that you guys have is you just do one and you've got like six months worth of content. <laughs> they're, like, they're like 20 hours long, you know? Yeah, uh, we don't intend them to be that, but so, so that was, that's interesting too, because like the original one we did with with Ganatra was supposed to be one episode, and we were going to talk to him about launching the iPhone, but then he mentioned that he happened to be involved in Carbon, and we went down a three-hour Carbon rabbit hole before we even got to the iPhone. Those, just all of that stuff, like I can't even link to a specific episode of Debug. You should just go and listen to all of it. Like there's there's no specific episode that I could put in the show notes and be like just go listen to this one because it just you know because you you maybe you want to hear uh, John Syracuse and Guy English shout at each other for an hour and a half <laughs> like you can get that if you want it you know that they've, that's in there it's just it's such a fantastic show and oh, thank you. Uh, one the great thing about about debug and, and I'm not the first person to say it it's like you guys are chronicling some real history and it's 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 really very, a very very special show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Guy and I are both huge fans of anthropology. And I, I always lo- love this comic book called Planetary, where they said that they wanted to be architects of the unknown. And we just figured that 
a lot of the stuff would be lost if we if we can't get these people to at least talk a little bit about it. So, Rene, where can people uh, keep up to date with the work that you're up to these days? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Rene Ritchie, and I post most of the stuff there. If you want to read my stuff, it's at imore.com. And the podcasts, uh, there are some of them are on Mobile Nations. The other ones, because like I said, we took them off the ad networks and we're not posting them as much anymore. I've moved them to something else and we're going to get a fancy name and, and all of that set up for that soon. Well, that's something to watch out for. Yeah, well, you can see them. They're on iTunes now under Zen and Tech because we already had that name set up. But right. it's not, not the best name, so we'll come up with something better. If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, which I mentioned, they're at uh, relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 23. I am Mike Hurley. I am at Mike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much to our sponsors today, the great people over at lynda.com and Campaign Monitor. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Inquisitive. Until then, bye-bye.